Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a Friday show. That means Ari Wasserman is here. That means we are talking numbers. It means I am probably losing some bet or paying off a bet I have lost, which unfortunately that is the case in this particular episode. I must do some push-ups while we talk. I don't know how good of a a podcast that's going to make it, but it's better than me nearly vomiting mayonnaise, I think. We'll find out, Ari. It'll be much easier and much... uh Probably won't be quite as funny, but at least you won't almost die. So that's good. Oh, maybe well, the you idea will. was I don't to know. get you doing push-ups, but <laughs> I screwed up. I took the over in Ole Miss, Arkansas at 76 because here's why, Ari. I assumed the Ole Miss defense would be what it had been all year, but they they actually played a pretty good game. Ole Miss's offense did not, did not follow suit. They, they threw six picks, and Arkansas won the game. Well, I wouldn't say handily. It was... It was Still a little tight there at the end, but it wasn't even close to 76 as a total. You know what's crazy? Um, after you made the bet, I was absolutely terrified of being humiliated on this podcast. And I'm actually working out with a personal trainer right now to try to get some pounds down, as you as you know. And I had like worked with him to do push-up form to help me like get through them because I was so afraid of humiliation. And I actually did uh, 63 in an hour. Um, at the wow. training session. So I would have been able to do it, but it, it, it wouldn't have been, it would have been much funnier if it were me. And I appreciate the, the gesture. And next time we go into a, a, a bet that, um, you know, is me doing something physical and you not, you should do something that you don't have to eat and I'll do something physical because you're in much better shape than I am. So, well, that, that, that's why I'm supposed to do a hundred pushups, but you know, well, I'm going to have to split that up. There's like, I'm not going to knock out a hundred pushups in a row. That just isn't going to happen, but I'll split it up and, and it'll be good. But we got, we have a lot to talk about this week, Ari. We've got big 10 games. I mean, there, that league is back. The big 12 after a relative week off, essentially, is back in full force with a full schedule. Uh, you got some interesting SEC games. Our our good friends, the Pitt Panthers, have a very interesting <laughs> game against Notre Dame. And uh, our friend Chris the Bear Felica at ESPN was tweeting about it on on Thursday. And man, I don't know. I I uh, I I might have tweeted back at him with a slow motion of me trying to eat mayonnaise after he suggested that people try to bet on Pitt with uh, with Notre Dame because, I mean, he, he makes some okay points, but it's still, I don't know. He says, Pitt has covered four of the last five times that has faced a ranked Notre Dame team, winning twice outright. Pitt is four and one against the spread under Pat Narduzzi versus top five opponents. So that falls into our never touch Pitt, don't trust Pitt ethos, your, right? Your, like, your shock therapy was not intense enough, man. I didn't say I was going to make a bet involving know, Pitt. We're going- I've learned my lesson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was trying to help everybody else. Yeah, I was hoping that the shock therapy would have been so bad that the thought of even talking about a Pitt number would make you nauseous. Um, well, the and, thing is, yeah. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help the public, Ari. I mean, 
the public loves to play Notre Dame. The, Notre Dame's that school, like, you ever, have you ever been called to do a radio show in New York City? Like on WFAN or, or one of the channels in, yeah, in New yeah. York City? Okay, so this is how the line of questioning goes. Hey, what do you think about, insert number one player in college football here, you think he wants to play for the Jets? And you're like, hell no, he don't want to play for the Jets. Have you watched the Jets? Have you seen how the Jets are managed? And then the next question is, all right, tell us about Notre Dame. Because that's the only college football team they know. Yeah, so that's I, how you get these random people playing Notre Dame. I'm fine talking about Notre Dame. I understand that. I'm afraid to discuss this in the framework that Pitt's involved. No matter what you do, you yeah, the four and one against the spread versus top five teams is so enticing. You know, it's like Chris Felica is trying to get you all to eat mayonnaise, uh, metaphysical the, mayonnaise. The thing I don't understand about this stuff, and I, as uh, somebody who likes to participate in discussing and playing the numbers, I don't know why I would care, and I never have, and maybe I would be better at this if I if I did care, but I don't care how Pitt did against the top five team in 2014 that has no bearing on uh, is it supposed to be a indication of like Narduzzi's performance in those scenarios like well, I don't I've never understood why we apply numbers in those stats they're interesting they're absolutely interesting and I like to see the trends but the, I don't understand how the trend has any bearing whatsoever on the will tell you the history means more than you think even though the players cycle through yeah. very quickly it's sort, of, it's sort of like when we were talking before week two when I mentioned the Florida South Carolina line and I thought it was awfully high because neither team had beaten the other by that amount since 2012. It's, I mean, shoot, the guy coaching South Carolina was coaching Florida in 2012. So that tells you how weird it is. But I, the, the, the folks who gamble will tell you, the ones who do it a lot, will tell you that, that history matters, that it's just, it's just numbers after a while, and they all tend to even out over time. So that's, that's why. But... Man, don't touch Pitt. I don't care what the bear tells you. I know he's a nice guy. I know you like watching him on game day. I love listening to his podcast. Do not touch Pitt. I don't care what he says. You learned. And I actually watched Pitt play against uh, Miami on Saturday. And I thought that they were a few plays away from potentially winning that game. On one hand, they got their ass kicked. And on the other hand, they were pretty close. Um, and their their quarterback play was less than superb, and they were inside the 10-yard line a few times and didn't score. Like like we talked about at the beginning of the year when we first started previewing games and talking numbers, Pitt has dudes. And and I, I know that this game has typically been close, and if I were to play the game, I think I would take the points, especially a week after Notre Dame didn't look so hot against Louisville. Like, I get the appeal. What I do also know is that I will be wrong if I play either way, so I'm not going to. It's Pitt. That's right. The entire it's, it's world just like know. war games. The best, the best way is not to play. The it's it's just leave it alone. I still like the thing. I is crazy though, Andy. Is I still like to consume it. <laughs> I like watching it. I like watching oh, Pitt well, play yeah. out. And and last week we joked about on this on this podcast about how Pitt beating Miami was the perfect um, situation for them to be on brand and actually win a game they don't deserve or, or not don't deserve aren't expected to win and I watched the game and I was watching the live lines as they were going and at one point I think Pitt was down uh seven to nothing early in the first half and I think the spread was like 14 to one that they'd win and like my hand started shaking and I was like no no <laughs> no <laughs> well I mean and that's the thing 
This game, if you watched Notre Dame last week, and Louisville gave you a, a good blueprint about how to hang with Notre Dame if you don't necessarily have the horses. And, and Pitt might, because Pitt is really good on the D-line. Notre Dame's really good on the offensive line. I don't know that Notre Dame can push Pitt around the way they've pushed a lot of other teams around. But Louisville sucked a lot of possessions out of that game. I think Notre Dame only got the ball seven times and made it pretty tight, made it where if Notre Dame made a mistake, Louisville had a chance. So this is one pick could actually win, but again, not You're- touching it. In fact, Ari, I'm going to do some push-ups right now, even though that wasn't the bet we made with Pitt. I'm just going to remember that I lost a bet and do some push-ups, pay my penance, okay. and 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 we're going to do that. Okay, so, so are we going to go right into numbers, Andy, before you start? Should I just like start with the first you, game we're going to talk about and then tell people and talk about how I feel about the game, wait for you to finish your 15 push-ups, and you can come and retort if you have 15. a 15? Dis- oh, good Lord. If, I, if I'm doing 15, we're going to be here all day. So, oh. Let- oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking on right now, and I think the first game that we're going to talk about as he is um, about to get down onto the floor here is Wisconsin minus 19 and a half against Illinois on Friday night. And I know that everybody is excited to watch this game, especially uh, because Illinois won last year. But my gut feeling here is that Wisconsin's going to win by 100. Wisconsin has done a very good job um, in the last few years, especially in their openers. And granted, they've played some bad teams, but newsflash, guys, Illinois is not very good. Um, Are are you ready for the Graham Mertz era? Yeah, and that's the next thing I was going to get to. I'm, I'm super excited to... You know, in college football sometimes, Andy, and I don't know if this was like this when you were covering Florida or if you if you agree with this, but I thought at times that Ohio State left better players on the bench um, because they didn't want to be put in a scenario where they had to bench an older guy who had paid his dues. Um, and maybe that's something that happens more you mean often. JT at- Barrett? You said it, pal. I-, I could talk four hours about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do some push-ups while you rant. But I also... Wonder at a place like Wisconsin, where Jack Cohn is is somebody who played very well and you know had the seniority and, and and the respect of his team, if they would be willing to put them in a situation where they moved on at quarterback into the four star player that Graham Mertz was the one of the best and highly rated prospects Wisconsin's ever gotten, and when you start talking about a team like Wisconsin who's constantly in a, in a situation where they're trying to catch um, the Big Ten East winner most of the time that's Ohio State. You have to wonder how many pieces are they away? I mean, I remember being in Indianapolis and thinking at halftime that Wisconsin was going to beat Ohio State. Now, granted, talent played out, and Ohio State ended up knocking them out pretty good in the second half. Uh, 39. You did 39? Yeah, hold on. I'm going to get to 50 here. Oh, wow. 39 is pretty good. It kind of sounds weird, huh? (laughs) You think? Well, I'm proud of you. That's 50. Wind. So you're you're doing a really good job. I will let you catch your breath, and then I'll finish my thought on Wisconsin. Then well, you can no, keep me. keep ranting about this because it is interesting. It's true. Although I will say, like when I covered Florida, Urban Meyer didn't really hold back on that. He played Percy Harvin right away. He found a role for Tim Tebow right away. But Chris Leak probably was the better choice of starting quarterback at the time. I th- I think if you ask Ohio State fans and people who covered the team what Urban Meyer's biggest weakness was as a head coach. I think it was being loyal to a fault to people. And I know the first thing that people are going to jump to is 
uh, the scenario within his former assistant coach that didn't go all that well, but he was with that, like that with other assistants that were underperforming, not doing anything wrong, just underperforming. And he was like that with certain players who had guys behind him. And sometimes I wonder, like, how much can I, you know how we always say, Andy, on this show, that hitting on a high-end four-star or a five-star quarterback is like the equivalent of landing four or five really high blue-chip players? Like, what if the difference between Ohio State and Wisconsin in last year's game in the Big Ten Championship was a legit four or five star player like Graham Mertz at the quarterback position. It, I'm excited to see what His that looks like. His name is Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he was on the other team, but <laughs> what if, what if Wisconsin had Graham Mertz and Mertz played the way that we expect him to play eventually? Uh, is that enough to, to put Wisconsin in a situation where they could beat Ohio State? I cannot be more excited to see this kid play. Yeah. I mean, look at the first half of the, of the Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin had put, put itself in a position to be in contention, but then the problem that every Big Ten team has against Ohio State in a situation like that is you have to play a perfect game. And once you start making mistakes, it's over. But that kind of quarterback can make it where you don't have to be perfect all the time because they can make up for it. And, you know, I think in the offense, Wisconsin runs, and I will catch my breath, I promise. We'll knock these last 50 out. Ari's just laughing at me. But... <laughs> I'm thinking about how out of breath I would be if I just did what you did. So keep fighting the good I, fight, I, brother. I think in the offense, Wisconsin runs. It's not necessarily one that you want to throw a freshman into right away, no matter how good he is, because there is more of a learning curve. You have to set protections. You have to learn what defenses do. You have to be pretty well versed before you can take over. And I think having that year will be pretty helpful to Graham Mertz. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know that you never want to be put in a situation where, you know, good things happen because a kid got hurt. And I feel bad for Cone because he did play really well. He took his team to a Big Ten championship game. But this kind of strikes me as a situation where there's going to be a change at quarterback and it's never going to go back to the way it was. I think this is it. And and maybe it came a year earlier than Wisconsin wanted. But like I I would always say to Jesse Temple, who uh, covers Wisconsin for us when he would come to Ohio State, and I would just say, I want to see the kid that the the talent on the field. I want to see that. I want to see that guy play. And I'm like, kind of when this happened, I, I went from Wisconsin might not win the West to Wisconsin's definitely going to win the West. They have, they have a bona fide player, a real talented player at quarterback. And the reason why everybody was so obsessed with that commitment when it happened is because it's supposed to help Wisconsin take that next step. I think Wisconsin's going to do- blow Illinois doors off on Friday night. Well, we know they can block. Now, they've got to replace Jonathan Taylor, but we also know they're great at recruiting running backs, and because they can block, you don't even have to be the best running back to gain yards behind that line. When you are a really good running back like Jonathan Taylor was, you get magic, which is what they had the last few years. So I'm I'm with you. I I think Wisconsin's going to be really good this year. The one in the West that I think people need to watch out for, Ari, is Northwestern. They had a legit good defense last year, and an offense that probably could not have been any worse. It was ranked 128th in the nation out of 130 teams in yards per play. They're going to be better with Peyton Ramsey at quarterback. They've changed offensive coordinators. Their defense is still going to be good and might even get better than it was. So I would look at them as a potential huge bounce-back candidate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they get a pretty manageable opponent in week one. They get to play Maryland. That's the worst game of the week in the Big Ten. I'm going to do 25 more while you while you go down the Big yeah. Ten slate. Okay, so now the next – so should I go to Big Ten slate? All right, the next game 
Um, and I guess we're starting off with the Big Ten because they're starting, and that's super appropriate. But the next game, in my opinion, is, or the next game on the list will be Penn State, Indiana. And Indiana is getting five and a half at home. And that spread, I think, was hovering around seven, and it has moved down. Uh, so Penn State is giving less points. And my initial reaction was to take the points. I think there's a really good chance that Indiana actually wins this football game. And it was a pretty big shame to see that Penn State lost Journey Brown to a, a medical condition. Uh, you wish the kid well, and I hope that he gets you know back and is able to play the game and is healthy again. Um, and you know maybe Penn State uh, is the <laughs> is the team that's. Uh, going to push Ohio State in the Big Ten East. I don't think that's the case. I didn't think that was the case before Journey Brown. Granted, Penn State does have Noah Kane, who was a legit high-end four-star prospect at running back, replacing him. But I just think that between Micah Parsons leaving and uh, Noah Kane having to step in for Journey Brown, I just don't know if Penn State has enough this year to be what James Franklin wants them to be. And I think Indiana, a team that's sneaky good, at home, who's used to playing in front of no fans, uh, might actually kind of sneak up on them. I, <laughs> That's I, I cool, don't know. Laurie. They won nine games last year. They were yeah. the fans were coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know you if you could call Indiana Indiana the sleeper this year because they won nine last year. Um, but I am a true believer in what they are able to do with Penix at quarterback and what they have. They've got some, lo- lost their offensive coordinator. He's Fresno yeah. State's head coach now. Lost their strength coaches. They're at Alabama now. This is not completely the same team. Yeah, I, I I don't know. So what do you, is your lean the other side? I think Penn State covers here, but I think it's I think it's a game in the fourth quarter. I think that that game is begging you to take Penn State. I think it's begging you to take Penn State. They just, it, they just pulled the hook. Or I feel like they're begging you to take Indiana. They pulled the they where did they pull the hook? I think it was six and a half before. Oh, now yeah. now it's five and a half. It's moving in the other direction, and I think it, it gets more tempting at every single point that Penn State is, and just every single point that Penn State is gaining here, you might, you want to take Penn State more, and I think it's a trap. I really do. I think that in, in, I think Indiana is the play here. But I, All right, the, thing I, Akbar. the thing I love about you, though, Andy, is in the two bets that you've lost, you are so energetically passionate about the pick that you were making. Um, and I love that so about you. bad. <laughs> you were like so certain of yourself and I don't feel like you're yeah. certain enough in this Penn state, Indiana situation. Uh, not, to make even, a- not even close, uh, not <laughs> yeah. even close to certain in this one that it, it, it does feel like a trap of some sort. I'm just not sure what direction it's in. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've got two more big 10 games to talk about on this. Five more than I'm done. Then back to actual podcasting. Okay. Well, how many do you have left? 25. Okay. So you're doing them all now. Good. Good luck. I think the biggest game of the week in the Big Ten is Michigan-Minnesota, but we're going to talk about one more before that, um, and that's Nebraska and Ohio State, 26. I think the line opened at 23, which is absurdly low. I have a friend in the Northeast who uh, I think bet his life savings on Ohio State, minus 23 on DraftKings up in Massachusetts, um, as he should have, and I don't necessarily know why people think, oh, my God, are you clapping? That is so show, show- – are you showboating right now? I did the last five as claps. <laughs> That's showboating. Showboating. No, I, I, I push-up Twitter's going to get me. They're going to be like, those aren't real push-ups. It's like squat Twitter. You know, it looks like you got a little bit of a small workout in. You can thank me for that. Uh, <laughs> 
but I, 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 I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this Nebraska Ohio State game because I think uh, someone texted me that Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel were were taking the points in this one, and I'm <sighs> just trying to figure out why would you take the points in this one? How is Nebraska? How many points is Ohio State going to score in this game? Fifty one. A lot. Uh, and how many points is Nebraska going to score? Like a little. I, I don't really know yeah, what, I, what. What's the what's the argument here? Somebody give me an argument, and that somebody has to be you because you're the only one on the show on why you think Nebraska can hang with Ohio State. Is the I'm purely it, playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, please. I don't believe that. Well, yeah. So I don't know. Played, I, I but mean, even then, because I feel like I'm wrong. Everybody, the the line started at 23. It moved to 26. I got it. I saw it get all the way up to 28, and now it's back down to 26. So it's kind so, of being stubborn right there in that four touchdown territory. Are they? Back door? Are you banking on a back door here? Are you banking on weirdness because of Corona? Like, what is the devil's advocate case for Nebraska to stay close with Ohio State on Saturday? Jeff Halfley's gone. Is that? I mean, is that it? Yeah, that's I mean, the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I, well, here's the thing that I think of. I think that um, sometimes these betting lines are put into a position where people like respect the brand of the team more than how good the team is. And I think Nebraska is closer to being Purdue than they are being to Ohio state. And they have that N on their helmet and they've won a national championship in the nineties. And I think that people for some reason, and they do, they've recruited top 25 classes under Scott Frost. They're not terrible, but until they play a competitive game, with a complete Ohio State team, because if you want to talk about the 2018 game where they lost by four or five in Ohio Stadium, that was statistically the worst defense in Ohio State history, then I, I want to see it. Last year, we built that game up to be a huge game, and Ohio State just ran all over them. And, and how much better is that Nebraska team from a year ago coming into Columbus and an angry Ohio State team that thought they were going to get their national championship hopes taken away from them by a canceled season? Who's stopping who here? I I I I think that this is an easy Ohio State lay, and they're going to win by hundred. I, I don't even think it's going to be close. Yeah, I I feel like it's a name their score kind of game too. Maybe not quite Clemson Georgia Tech level, but I do feel like Ohio State will take control early and just cruise in this one. I, I don't I don't see it unless the feeling is the defense takes a huge step back. But I I don't see that either. It's it's still coaches who are there. It's still players who were there. And the coach that they replaced Jeff Halfley with um, was a longtime successful defensive assistant on Ohio State's staff that developed all those cornerbacks before he went to the Tennessee Titans and Kerry Combs. Yeah, Kerry Combs. He's a first-time coordinator, so, you know, if you have no uh, hope that he or no – what's the word I'm looking for? No confidence that he's going to be able to step into that role and be competent right away. But, I mean, the man's a very good coach, and he's a very good uh, talent developer. So – and if there's one thing we know about Ohio State is they've got the talent back there. So I, I think that that's a really big loss. There's no question. Jeff Halfley is already showing that what how good he is at Boston College. But even so, is a is a coordinator shift. And they also have Greg Madison, who was a co-defensive coordinator last year, still on the staff. Is, who, who's is a co- been a defensive coordinator at Michigan, at Florida. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like he hasn't done done it before too. I just you're right. I don't see it with Nebraska. Like I didn't see it last year when people were predicting that they would win the the Big Ten West. It didn't make any sense to me. What has changed about them that says they're going to be anything different? About Ohio State or Nebraska? About Nebraska. I don't know the answer to that question. And and the person that gets you excited about that um, would be Adrian Martinez. And there was a question that he might lose his job in in the fall to the ninth McCaffrey kid. So I have no idea what makes you confident about that. Now, I know... 
that maybe you uh, are banking on just a weird game and also the storyline of Ohio State and Nebraska being best friends during the fight to get the Big Ten back is a fun storyline. That's maybe, not going to help anybody when it comes to, <laughs> well, to stopping I mean, someone from getting in the end zone. I don't know. Maybe Ryan Day might be less than uh, less likely to run the score up because he appreciates that Nebraska helped in the fight to get Ohio State's season back. There are teams on He's Ohio State. run up the score anyway. If they're backup score, they score. No, I know. What I'm saying, though, is, is that there are certain teams in the Big Ten that that I think that Ryan Day would definitely like to embarrass, and Nebraska's not one of them. So that's one good thing that you can say, and 26 points is still 26. I mean, you could be 38-17, you know, and that's a that's a blowout. Or I just don't think that Ohio State's going to score less than 48 points. I think they're going to get the 50 no, I, in, in the first week, and if that's the case, then I don't see Nebraska scoring 25. I'm with you there. Now, we're talking about Nebraska. Let's talk about a former Nebraska head coach who has had a really rough first season Back in the SEC, Bo Pelini, the defensive coordinator at LSU, they gave up a ton of yards and points to Mississippi State. They beat Vanderbilt, but that was Vanderbilt. They lose at Missouri, give up a ton of yards and points there. Now they play South Carolina, which Ari runs an offense that is a lot more familiar for Bo Pelini. If you're talking about the Bo Pelini, who was a defensive coordinator at LSU in 2007, because that's what this offense looks like, looks like it came out of. I um, My play of the week is South Carolina plus seven. That is a, that, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that because if you look at South Carolina, they lost to Tennessee in a game where, I mean, if, if the punt at the end of the game doesn't hit the South Carolina freshman in the leg, they've got the ball with a chance to win the game. They were in the game at Florida – I don't know why they kept letting the clock run and huddling, but they were in the game and they beat Auburn. So what was that? They can I still I think about that hang in this game. That clock management there was was atrocious. It was terrible. I mean, it was one, but, I mean, honestly, without exaggeration, might have been one of the worst I've ever seen in my life. But we, we don't know what the situation of Miles Brennan is, but it sure sounds like he's not playing. Yeah, I think even if he is playing, that LSU's confidence is rattled. They've had a long week uh, when it comes to you know off the field stuff, and I know that doesn't necessarily pertain to the current staff, but still, that it's something that wears. Trust me, as somebody who's covered Ohio State, I know that the the off the field stuff can have a, a lasting impact on the mental health and the you know focus of the of the team. And I also know too that South Carolina is a lot better than people think they are, and they've played with everybody they've played so far. And LSU is a damaged, damaged team right now. And I love the yep. coaching staff there. I think Coach O's the coolest guy to be around. And, you know, his support staff is made up of a lot of great guys. But I just – this isn't the the team that they were last year. And I think every week they're losing the benefit of the doubt in terms of what the numbers are. And I think that the spread now has moved down from South Carolina from 7 to 6. If you were lucky enough to get it to 6, that would be my biggest play of the week. We'll be right back. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. We'll stay in the SEC, Alabama at Tennessee. Now, this is one where last year, Tennessee had a horrific start to the season. The, the way they played at Alabama was what gave you confidence that they could turn it around. Now, they still lost that game, but you watched them and you're like, oh, okay, these guys are, maybe they're kind of tough. Maybe, they, maybe they're kind of resilient. Maybe they can get this back. And they end up going on a, a long winning streak. I feel like this is a game that will determine the course of the rest of their season this year as well. I don't think there's any chance they win the game, but the spread is 21. It's 21 and a half now. Oh, is it 21 and a half? Yeah. Do you think Tennessee has a chance to cover? Tennessee lost by more than 21 last year, didn't they? That's what I'm I'm looking up. I just looked it up now. I just got there. It's 35 to 13. When you said the, uh, Alabama game gave them confidence on how they could turn it around. I guess that was the last game they lost last year before rattling was, off and, six in a row. And, and then it wasn't it, it didn't feel like it was it was that far apart when you were watching the game. Yeah, I guess Alabama scored two touchdowns at the end. Um, it was 21 to 13 at some point in the third quarter. So your memory is correct. Um, yeah. But I, I think that I would lay the points here. Um, you don't get rich betting against Alabama. I found that out uh, really good last weekend. Uh, you overthink things with Bama sometimes, and sometimes when those spreads are super big, they don't get there at the end, or they let a few touchdowns in once they've already covered the spread. But I think Tennessee uh, um, is somewhere in the middle of um, where they were. <laughs> Tennessee is somewhere in the middle of where we thought they were after week two when they were 2-0 and and where we think they are now, uh, being 2-2 two and two after being blown out by Georgia and then Kentucky. Um, I know they've got some quarterback issues right now, and, and having quarterback issues going into the Alabama game is not where you want to go. Um, they're lucky enough to have this game at home. Uh, but even if Tennessee is not as bad as they looked the last two weeks and not as good as they looked the first two, I still don't think that team that you would describe is a 21 point, uh, is 21 points close to Alabama. I think that Alabama wins another game like they did last year. Maybe it's 35, 13, maybe it's 42 to 20. Um, but I think they get to, I think they get past the number. I think it's a case of, I have a hard time. Even though now we've seen it for really since Tua took over as a starter. So this is the third season that we're seeing with Alabama where their offense is incredibly explosive and just can go off at any time. I I think it's still hard to wrap your head around Alabama being that kind of team because for most of my life, they weren't. Whether it was Nick Saban or Gene Stallings or didn't matter who the coach was, they were going to squeeze the life out of you on defense and do just enough offensively to win the game. That's not who they are anymore. And so when I look at a 21-point spread against an SEC opponent that is wounded and needs to have a good game, I think, okay, this is one where Tennessee might cover. But you're right. This Alabama offense can explode at any time. I mean, you were just one Jalen Waddle slant away from a really easy score that just breaks an opponent's back, and all of a sudden the the Cavill, you know, the the avalanche begins. I don't know if this is particularly profound, Andy, so you tell me what you think. 
But um, because I still do the Ohio State podcast and I have covered that team for 10 years, I, I watch other games through that lens so that I can be prepared to have two hours of discussion on a podcast every week with Landis uh, talking about them. And as I was watching the Georgia game, it occurred to me that it doesn't matter how good your defense is in college football. Obviously, you want to have a good enough defense to contain things, and you don't want to get blown out of games. But if Georgia has the best defense in the country, and I think they still have an argument to do that or to have it, and they're going to give up 41 points to Bama, I I think the most important thing in this game right now in this era is having a bona fide star at quarterback. And that's the most that's the guy who's going to help you win the game. That's the guy who's going to help you win a playoff game. And Georgia clearly doesn't have that. And I'm wondering, does Alabama? I think they do. I think I, I think Mac Jones is pretty good. Because everybody can say he's got a clean pocket every time because he's got a great line. He has good players to throw to. Listen, if Mac Jones had had stuck to his original commitment and gone to Kentucky, I don't even know if he's at Kentucky anymore. He might already be in the NFL because he probably would have started right away there. So yeah, I mean, I, he looks like I, I a nice prospect, and if he can play. I think everybody thought that Alabama was kind of wounded coming into this year, losing Tua and having to go to the backup. Uh, but the more I watch Alabama, the more it occurs to me that this team is legit. And I, yeah, I, I you think, don't hear guys talk. So I think the the Clemson situation and the Alabama situation, the Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence transfer of power and the Jalen Hurts to, to Tua Tungavailoa transfer of power, you, you can you could get the context clues. And if you go back and listen to interviews with players, you can, you can hear the clues in their answers and in their voices where they're saying, I think the other guy's better. We should probably go to the other guy. There is none of that with Mac Jones and Bryce Young. None of it. Yeah. It is. Mac Jones is that dude. He's the one. Like Devontae Smith goes, I trust him as much as I trusted Tua. Like you don't say that if you don't actually believe it. Yeah. Yeah, and good for him for getting an opportunity to play last year. And I don't know if I could pull up Alabama's schedule right now, but after doing what they just did to Georgia, I guess the consensus is that they're probably going to have to play Georgia again. But what's left on Alabama's schedule that makes you think they could lose now? And I remember yeah, the, only, we were, the only other thing would be let's say uh, let's say Florida beats Georgia, and then you're playing another very high powered offense. You're you're playing a team that can almost score at will, but. You know, that's you more dangerous that. to Alabama than anything, in my opinion. I think it's yeah. the most dangerous thing to everybody. Yeah, and they have a quarterback. I mean, Kyle Trask is a <laughs> legit quarterback. So I, I think that's it's interesting because I think Georgia is probably better than Florida and probably should beat Florida still and, and go to the SEC championship game. But I think Florida might be a, a better have, might have a better chance of beating Alabama than Georgia because of the way they're constructed. Alabama has to play Auburn, and they get Auburn at home, so maybe that'll be a tricky game. I don't know. You not, know not the way it's going at yeah, all. Yeah, not the way it's going. But I think Alabama's going to be a 14-point or higher favorite for every game for the rest of the year. It's, it's going to be crazy. Let, let's move to the Big 12 because it was a light week in the Big 12 last week. Everybody's playing now. The most complex, just crazy situation, and we, we've hit this on the podcast pretty much every week, is Texas. You know, you have the off-field stuff with the eyes of Texas. Uh, the band is not instrumentally capable of playing at the game this weekend because so many people won't play the eyes of Texas. It's sort of like when you can't dress seven offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. If you can't dress seven tubas, you can't play. So is that, seven, is that the number of tubas you need? 
I I I would assume. You're, I, mean, I love I, the I way your brain analogous. works, man. You're you're hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so so that is the outside part of it. That is the outside noise. There's also the the actual football piece of it where Texas's defense has not been very good at all this year. You know, they they got shredded by Texas Tech, TCU scored a bunch on them. Oklahoma obviously scored quite a bit. Now four overtimes, you, you have plenty of chances to score. But defensively, Texas is not where they need to be. We don't really know much about Baylor. You know, they, they played West Virginia. They lost in double overtime. But this spread, this line has gone from a minus 14 open to Texas minus nine. And, and, and betters are all over Baylor. That is the, the spread is wrong. It's simple. I'm not. I'm not. If I'm if I'm betting Texas, I'm not laying two scores to anybody. They can't stop anybody. I'm off. Have, I'm off the other Texas. Other than train. UTEP, they haven't played anybody within. Yeah, no, I, they, I, they they are they are nowhere near where I thought they were, in my opinion. And I I think they might have been able to beat Oklahoma, and I think that Herman should have gone for two at <laughs> at two different points, at least one point in the Oklahoma game. But if they can't stop anybody, then I'm taking two scores. You know, and if you're lucky enough to get that that spread at the open, and I, you know, sometimes I wish we did the show on Monday because the opening lines are so much more enticing. Sometimes, like the App State game on Thursday night, uh, you know, opened up at at nine and a half, and now it's fourteen. It's like if you have the ability to kind of spot what's wrong, I'm not surprised at all that Baylor moved five points the way they did. Would you lay two scores for Texas right now? No, because I've seen them you play lay nine? three Big Twelve games, and. At the end of regulation, they've basically been tied. Yeah. So I, why I, would I? Why would I expect Texas to win by two scores? Yeah, I don't know if, if I don't. I think I might even. No, I don't know. This might be going too far. Sometimes I get really wound up in hyperbole, and then I like lose. You know how you get? You ever do that where you get super excited about something and then say something yeah. you regret? Like <laughs> I, I wouldn't know anything about that. I mean, I, I just I try to be reasonable and never really get out over my skis. I certainly wouldn't. Wouldn't say that I would try to eat my least favorite condiment. Yeah, and um, if, if a certain result didn't go my way. Well, I told Andy last week, and it looks like we might get through this without having another bet. Uh, maybe next week we can try again. But my least favorite thing to put in my mouth is uh, dark fat tire beer or Chimay beer, and like I think I might volunteer to okay. chug one. Let's do that because I will absolutely chug. Some sort of dark beer. If I if you made if me chug dark beer, I think what happened with the mayonnaise would happen to me, but worse. I, I'll, I think I'll chug I, it along with you. I don't care if I lose or win. You I, enjoy. It. I'm in. It'll it'll just loosen me up for the rest of the show. So yeah, um, let, let's do that. Why don't we do that? If Texas covers, oh no no no, because I think we've got one more game. Um, oh, you've got one you feel very strongly about. Well, the okay. Ohio State game, I'm laying it. Just I'm laying it. I, I don't think there's. I don't know. I don't really disagree with you on that one. So it's a, okay, it's hard but, for me to. But there's to one game that we're missing out of the Big Ten, and I think you just forgot it, and I wanted to get to. Oh, and okay. I think it's the yeah, most. It's the most interesting game of the week, in my opinion, of all the games. All and right. that's Michigan at Minnesota. Oh boy! And yes, I think I'm that, sorry. I, I yeah, I yeah. right past that. Yeah, and I, I just I wanted to make sure we talked about it because I think this game is the headline for the Big Ten in terms of what we can expect for the rest of the year. Yeah, on one side, you've got a Minnesota team that won uh, double-digit games for the first time in 105 years or the second time in 105 years. And then on the other side, you have a Harbaugh situation where people are waiting for him to break through. Uh, Joe Milton, the, the quarterback, might turn out to be the best quarterback that, at least from a hype standpoint, that Michigan's had during the Harbaugh era. 
Um, and if Michigan wins, then maybe they feel good about themselves in the Big Ten East. And if they lose, is all hell breaks loose. And I think the same thing goes for Minnesota. Are they are they taking another step forward? That that patented PJ Flex step forward in year three, the way he did at Western Michigan, or are they uh, one hit wonder? And I think that even though that game isn't like the sexiest game on paper. It's sneaky good because I think we're going to learn there, a lot about the identity of the conference. There's heavy emotional freight on on either either result for Michigan. This is one that that Michigan fans will overreact to either direction. If they beat Minnesota, it's all right. We're getting over the hump. They're probably not going to say we're beating Ohio State, but they're saying we're getting over the hump. Got a homegrown quarterback that that Harbaugh recruited out of high school. This is this is going to be a great year. If they lose the sky will be falling even though Minnesota might be really good, but the sky will be falling if they lose. Yeah. I mean, you've got two teams that rank in the, well, I guess Minnesota's in the low twenties, Michigan's in the high teens. Um, but I I'm very curious because I don't really know that anybody has a, a pulse on whether or not Joe Milton is who he, we think he might be. I'm not sure the Michigan coaching staff knows what they have in him yet. Um, and, you know, it's been a weird year where there's no spring football. There's no access at Michigan anyway, but there's been no access at all for reporters to try to get to the bottom of it. He's had limited time to prepare in terms of being ready for it. And it's just like, if you bet on this game, you certainly can be wrong because if he turns out to be a badass, like Michigan could roll by 20 points and that wouldn't surprise me. But I, I honestly am taking the points in this scenario. I think that so Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan by three, it I, opened Minnesota minus one and a half. So you could have gotten that weird middle in there. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever hit a middle in my life because I just don't have the luck for that. Uh, but I do. Th- I like Minnesota catching three at home. Yeah, this is a, this is Tanner Morgan, game. Rashad I mean, Bateman. Those are the two best players on the field, aren't they? Let's I mean, let's make, Pay- that our, let's make that our dark beer bet. I, I like that. Well, we'll you want to we'll make pick- a bet where you don't lose? <laughs> I, don't I can't lose this one. You You're exactly lose. right. But. You volunteered it. You you offered it up, and you're feeling strongly about Minnesota minus uh, Minnesota plus three. So yeah, let's do that. Is that what you like though? Do you would if you had to pick before I went on my little rant, would you have picked Michigan? No, I I think this feels like a pick 'em to me, but but mostly because I don't know what Michigan is. I don't know anything about yeah, them. Yeah, I don't either. I also don't know with Minnesota how's losing Sharaka to. Penn State going to affect them. Mike Sanford comes in. Remember, Mike Sanford was the offensive coordinator at Utah State last year, and you saw Jordan Love take a step back from what he was doing with Matt Wells and, and David Yost. So well, let me ask you this: How do you feel about PJ Fleck? Because I think PJ Fleck is a very good coach. I, I think his what people call shtick yeah. is what he really is. That is him, yeah. and it's not for everybody. But he's a very good coach who builds through recruiting. I used and that's to call, what he did I used at Western to, Michigan and does it now at Minnesota. I used to think that it was shtick and it used to annoy me. And then I was assigned a story about Minnesota and I talked to the man and I talked to a few of his staffers and kind of got to know their vision for what they were doing and let them sell me on it. And I got sold. I don't know if I think that Minnesota is going to be the destination job for him. I think they're going to he's going to build that program and take a bigger job. Um, but I think, and this is crazy, and I, I have a feeling the producer is going to take my voice and put this on Twitter because they always put me in a position where I'm antagonizing Michigan and I'm not doing that. It might come across that way. I think I would take Fleck to build Michigan over Harbaugh. 
There is no way in hell they would hire P.J. Fleck at Michigan. I'm saying, my, me personally, I think I know, that if he were the head coach in Michigan, Michigan, Michigan man would does be, not row a boat. <laughs> I'm not saying that I think it's going to happen or should happen. What I'm saying is, is if it in a in a alternate universe did happen, that Michigan's program would be on more solid footing than it is right now. I think I think P.J. Well, Fleck knows well, how to well, build a program. Because he knows how to find undervalued offensive and defensive linemen, which is perhaps the most important skill in program building that you could possibly have. So you agree with me? Absolutely. 100%. I just know that Michigan would never hire him. I wonder if he's if he's a few years away from getting a big job. I think he is if he wants it. Now, here's here's the piece of that. And you and I have talked about this. We both agree that Mark Stoops has the best job in America. No, I know. Because I know. Kentucky will pay to keep him. So he's making $5 million a year now, I think, with, with all his bonuses. They'd probably go up to about six. If you could make $6 million a year at a place where if you win eight games a year, they'll build a statue of you, I don't know that you want to leave to make seven at a place where if you win eight games a year, they're going to run you out of town in two or three years. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on what your ambition is. I mean, I would, I would I'd coach it up. Uh, program if I was making a million dollars a year and stay put if, if I was in a situation where I didn't have to fear for my job every five minutes you, I mean you'd I, have to know what you could what you could do it it's one of those things where you'd have to you'd have to have assurances that you're going to get yeses on a lot of your requests because that's good the, athletic the director with, good buyout. yeah the problem with Texas with with Michigan with places like that is you're going to hit some red tape just because they're they're big universities, they're, they're, they're big bureaucracies. And so you have to make sure you're going to get yeses. That's why, listen, that's why Nick Saban held out so long with Alabama when he was with the Dolphins. He knew they, they had to get him. And so he was going to make sure a lot of the answers to his requests were yeses before he said yes to the job. So I think that's what's going to happen. Now, the Harbaugh contract thing is amazing, and it, it comes up every year at this time because – most coaches and well, most coaches agents say you've got to have five years on your contract to recruit. Harbaugh doesn't have an agent. He's never particularly cared about that. I actually find that somewhat refreshing, but as you get, as you hear the clock ticking because he's, he's under contract through this season and next you start going, okay, what, what's, what's next? What happens? Well, how's this going to work? I like that about him. I think it's cool I that too. I think it's cool that he doesn't, Spend more time. I mean, what do we know about coaches? I mean, they're always worried about what the next job is or how they're perceived and where the money's coming from. And, you know, rightfully so. When you work your entire life to achieve something, I think you deserve, well, I want more money. Who doesn't? But, and I'm sure Jim Harbaugh does to a certain extent, but that man has made a ton of money at Michigan. And I think he's made more than he has earned. So, you know, at this point, I think being focused on something other than a contract extension, though I do agree with the idea that you should have a longer contract just so you can't be recruited against. Um, he's never had a long contract and he's never made this a priority because he doesn't have an agent. So it's kind of hard to recruit against something that's always been the case. Um, and I, and I like that about him. Um, and I do think that it's really, really hard to know what's going on in that man's head more than anybody I've ever, you know, watched in this, in this sport. Uh, but I also know too, that, I think he views it as let me take this program to the next level and all that other stuff will will take it care of itself. And I think at this point that that Michigan is with him. That's the only way to view it, because I, I think there are certain fans that want him gone. And I think the honeymoon of, well, we're not bad anymore 
is gone. I think Michigan is in that weird purgatory of not bad, but not great. And I think it was cool for a while to get past the Brady Hoke years of things not going well. But I think those fans now are, are certainly at a point where they're tired of losing to Ohio State by 40 every year. And they want to, they want more. Because being in that range from the 15th to 20th best program is, isn't what Michigan wants to be. I think Michigan wants to be in the top 10. And they achieved that at some, at, at a few times. Um, during the Harbaugh era, but right now they are not close to a top 10 program, in my opinion. And that ends the Ari Bags on Michigan portion of the program. Is that uh, bagging or week. is that bagging or rational discussion? It's rational discussion, but they're still going to be mad about it. Yeah. Well, if they're mad about what I'm saying, I think it's because it's, I mean, you don't get mad at somebody who's just saying crazy things. You get mad at people who push your buttons because you know it's true. So if you're mad, then that's, look in the mirror. That's right. You feel seen. <laughs> yeah. that's, what, that's what the kids say. Uh, one more game. Before we get to our random ranking, we go back to the Big 12. Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Iowa State is 3-0 in Big 12 play. One of two teams that are 3-0 in Big 12 play, but have lost to a Sunbelt team. That would be Iowa State and Kansas State. You know, Oklahoma State, the last undefeated team in the Big 12. Now, they've only played a couple of conference games. I think Oklahoma State, a lot of the worry about them, maybe it shouldn't be so worrisome because we were very worried about them after the Tulsa game. And we were also somewhat worried about them after the West Virginia game. It turns out Tulsa's pretty good. It turns out West Virginia's defense is really good. And West Virginia in general is pretty good. I don't worry as much about the Cowboys here. It looks like Spencer Sanders is going to start unless there's a setback. But Shane Ellingworth is is ready to come in. And the thing is that, that I think is interesting, Ari, is they're in a situation now where if it winds up being like the Tulsa game where uh, Sanders gets hurt, the backup comes in, he couldn't get much done, and they really couldn't get going until Illingworth came in. They'll go to Illingworth if things like if if what they're doing isn't working, if if Chuba's not getting holes to run through, if Tylen Wallace isn't isn't able to be targeted and, and be part of the offense, they'll go to Illingworth to get a spark if they need it. They're going to score points. I think this comes down to, you know, can Iowa State run the ball well enough against Oklahoma State to, to control the clock? Yeah, I, I mean, losing to the Sun Belt team is kind of a drag. And I, I mean, for just the sake of the Big 12 Conference, I want Oklahoma State to win just because it would just be fun to at least have an undefeated team in there for more than two weeks. But I like really respect what they're building at Iowa State. And I know they had a tough week starting off. And um, last year, didn't Iowa State also have a similar weird loss, too, at the beginning? And it turns out that Louisiana is a pretty good team, too. So, yes. you know, beating beating Oklahoma and, and beating TCU on the road, who, you know, pushed Texas, as we know, and, you know, kind of undressing Texas Tech. Like, I think that when I look at these two teams, I, I, I view them as kind of similar, uh, even though Oklahoma State hasn't lost yet. And I think that Iowa State... Um, getting points is the play here, but also I'm terrible at betting the Big 12 because I have no idea what's going on in that conference. Does anybody? Well, No, because the teams are fairly even. A a lot of the teams are fairly even at the top, and so the the results are pretty unpredictable. This is Brock Purdy's moment right here, Ari. This is his chance to to really say, I'm going to take this program to a different level because if Iowa State wins this game, they'll have wins in hand against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. They will be in in the driver's seat to make the Big 12 title game. Because remember, the top two teams make it. There's no divisions. So 
it's going to be pretty tough to unseat them. They're going to have to have a pretty bad run of luck if they're not going to make it. So if they can win this game, it may change the program's fortunes. And that that's what's interesting. So, you know, can they handle that pressure? Will they rise to that occasion? We don't know, but this is this is the spot for, for Brock Purdy and the Cyclones. Who's better, Spencer or Purdy? I think Brock Purdy is probably a more multifaceted quarterback. I, I, I feel like, you know, he can make plays with his legs. If protection breaks down, he can still make something happen. Uh, Sanders might have the better pure arm, but Purdy, when, when he's on, is that dude. Now, he's had games, I, I think, I'm trying to remember, was his freshman year or last year, he threw like 60 times against Oklahoma State. If they're doing that and they're not running the ball, Oklahoma State's winning this game. But if, if Iowa State can run the ball a little bit, then, then I, I like Iowa State in this game. I uh, was um, working on um, – I, I wrote a story about how quickly quarterbacks are committing uh, for Thursday and the athletic, and there are only seven teams in college football right now, or in the Power Five, excuse me, who don't have a quarterback committed. And um, Iowa State and Oklahoma State are both on that list. And I thought that that was an interesting, you know, observation. Um, can, and as can I, I was, throw that, you know, let me throw something out there though, because you and I texted about this the other day. Yeah, yeah. How much of that is coaches looking at the transfer portal, or looking at the change in the transfer rules and saying, "I'm going to pick up somebody as a transfer." Well, there's only instead seven instead of out of high school. There's only seven right now that don't have a commitment from a quarterback. I, th- I mean, I think you, if you're coaching a functional program, you have to have a quarterback in every class unless you have too many. And the reason why I bring that up, Andy, isn't to only plug my story because I was. Um, it was also to have a discussion about whether or not we believe that Purdy has another year after this year um, to continue to help build Iowa State. Because I was talking to um, Max Olson, uh, our esteemed Big 12 expert, uh, on text very much like I was texting you, and he kind of made a a point about the fact that it's not just a, a done deal that Purdy would just go to the NFL after this year. And I just, Oh I, no. I, I mean, he's, his measurables will not be looked favorably upon. I, I, I realized I just that, assumed that Murray, he was gone when I was looking at this stuff yeah, and I was kind of realized Kyler Murray's a starting quarterback in the NFL, but there's a reason Brock Purdy didn't have an offer until 48 hours before signing day, the first early signing day. And it was Boise state. And he winds up not taking that and becomes a very coveted quarterback for that late signing period, but for the class of 2017, he was actually not one of the more coveted quarterbacks until that happened. Now there's, there's a lot of circumstances. And if you want to read uh, what they were, one include, one is a cactus related injury playing paintball. It's, it's the most Arizona injury of all time and Brock <laughs> is, is from the Phoenix area. So uh, you can read that in the athletic, but I linked that story the other day. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, it, it's, he's, it's amazing to me, you know, how that all went down. Because that was a, a, a new phenomenon because that was the first year of the early signing period. So nobody knew just how much somebody would be coveted if they were the last best person available at their position. That's my story and today. all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, Brock Purdy is on an official visit to Alabama, you know, where he had no offers a week before the first signing day. So, uh, but, but Brock is going to get the same treatment from the NFL that he got from from college recruiters. So, yeah, I would not be shocked if he was back for a fourth year at Iowa State, even if he did lead them to the to the Big 12 championship game this year. Yeah, yeah, and it makes me excited about what Iowa State's building, and I know at a certain point it's got to go from building to to doing it. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think that in a situation like this where you're not sure who's going to win, I just always default to taking the points. Well... 
This is going to be a, a very interesting week in the Big 12. The Big 10 is back. We got some intriguing SEC games. We got an ACC game that I'm telling you don't touch with a 10-foot pole. Ari, it feels like a much fuller week with the Big Ten back. Yeah, it feels great. I'm I'm super excited to see um, you know, some of the teams. I'm I'm very juiced up to watch the Michigan Minnesota game. So is that bet on? If Minnesota doesn't if loses by three Let's or more, I I gotta drink beer. Oh yeah, and I'll drink it with you. Okay. This is a different type of bet because you can't lose, but you know, I think it's about time I humiliate myself. I think it's gonna be fun. But I think that I think that I mean I would play Minnesota, so I'm I'm confident that I'm not going to have to do it. I wonder if I can get through this entire season, Andy, without having to do a bet, uh, pay off a bet. You very well might. I, I just it's going to be it's going to be tough for me. I, I I just you get passionate. I'm not good at this. <laughs> I do get and I get and and I get passionate about the wrong things. You know, you need to be. You, you got passionate you about Pitt. That is the definition of the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, that's the thing is you need to be disconnected from emotion when you're doing this. And I'm, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not good at that. So, uh, that is why I will just have to pay off bets when I, when I do, uh, you got to hear me huffing and puffing for half I mean, you, this podcast. You murdered those pushups though. You should be proud of yourself. I only hope to well, do pushups I, that efficiently And the clapping at the end. That was, that was borderline showboating, but it was, but it was also impressive. So I'm, I'm happy. For I kind of want to see if I could do it at that point because my arms didn't feel very good. Yeah, and you but, had bench uh, yesterday I'm, too. Well, I, that was more to warm it up. I, I, I went really light just to you know get get warmed up. And all I did was run today. I was supposed to do deadlifts today, but we'll move deadlifts to tomorrow. So yeah, I can. Uh, I, my hamstrings will be uh, ready to roll because totally. I feel like when the hamstrings aren't ready, then everything else just goes goes to seed too. I'm sure I'm going to make another really dumb bet that I'm going to have to pay off. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We now move to our random ranking. And this is a really good one. Our friend Ralph Russo, who covers college football for the Associated Press, who is also a frequent guest of the show, and a regular listener of the show, he asked if we could rank Ralphs. And I think that's a great idea. He is one of my favorite Ralphs. Unfortunately, he didn't make the, the top five Ralphs. Uh, he, he's 
the king of Ralphs to me, but he's only an honorable mention on this list. Ari, have you uh, have you compiled a list of top five Ralphs? Yeah, I, I have. Uh, I have. Yes, it's a very All weird right, list, what- and I, you know, I actually thought there would be more famous people named Ralph. There are not that Ralph many is famous. An odd name. It's now, not, there's now, not a lot of people that I thought. Oh yeah, this Ralph or that Ralph. It was kind of bone dry a little bit, so I got kind of creative. Because we're ranking yeah. Ralphs. That's the only now, thing. I have a I have a, a, a procedural question. How do we view Rafe Fines? Because he spells it Ralph, but he pronounces it Rafe. Okay, can I ask you a follow-up question? Yeah. How do we rank Ralphs that aren't people? <laughs> I think we've done the same thing. <laughs> I think you and I might have done the same thing. Because if maybe, they, maybe you I, didn't, I, say, I'm you take, didn't say people named Ralph, you just said rank Ralphs. Yeah, maybe I'm going to take one of mine out and, and replace it. Okay. So you 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 keep doing. You I keep think the, doing the, you. I think the rules of random ranking is if you can justify it, then it should it counts. Absolutely. Okay. Who is your number five Ralph? My number five Ralph is the Ralph Grocery Store in Los Angeles. Ralph's. <laughs> it's a fine grocery store. It's really nice. It's super it's nice. Of, and yeah. And the reason why it made my list is kind of sentimental. Uh, because I've had a lot of like fun boys trips to Los Angeles, and I can't tell you how many uh, times before an awesome weekend uh, in LA, you go to Ralph's, you stock up on the booze, you get the snacks, you get all the all the uh, party favors that you need for the weekend. And I have a lot of fond memories with my friends just being in that grocery store. And I thought that you know what, let's put a, let's let's put the store on the list. All right, I, I love that pick, and I might be doing some last second shuffling. Yeah, Maybe. that's shuffle, okay. Shuffle, shuffle. My number five, Ralph. Ralph Macchio, Daniel freaking LaRusso, and listen, everybody loves Karate Kid. If you haven't watched Cobra Kai, it is awesome. Everybody it says that. What's so good about it? It's, it's, if you're a kid of the 80s, it's such a great binge watch, and it pokes fun at all the things, all the, the eccentric, eccentricities of modern life that kids of the 80s would find amusing. It really presses all the right buttons, and it's it's a good story, too. And it's interesting because it sort of flips the, the 80s thing on its ear. Of In the 80s, you had very clearly delineated heroes and villains, and they make sure that the hero and the villain, it's all sort of shades of gray, and everybody's sort of, you know, some people are good, some people are bad. It sort of depends on your motivations at the moment. But And also, let's not forget that Ralph Macchio is one of the people Joe Pesci defended in My Cousin Vinny. That is true. Well, he was in prison. <laughs> so, and, and Marissa Tomei really got him, out, got him off, you know, got him out of out So, of the, I know that you're a few years older than me, but did you know who that person was off the top of your head, like what that person's name was without Googling it? Ralph Macchio? Absolutely. Yeah, because like I, I know I've I had to Google it when you were talking about him. I know his face. I've seen My Cousin Vinny. And I made the connection, but I never would have known his name just by looking at his face. So that's oh, he's, uh, he's fantastic. So no, okay, and, and and look, Daniel Larusso, one of the all time great characters. Uh, so yes, Ralph Macchio, my number five. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is Ralph Russo. <laughs> I think <laughs> ah, that very nice. You're trying <laughs> to show me up. Uh, he has to be on the list, man. He, a he suggested this, and two, you always gotta pay homage, uh, at least when you're my age, to. Um, the legends who have been doing this for a long time, and he's the guy behind the AP poll, and he's at all the big games, and I like visiting with him. And 
you know what? I, I looked up the Ralph uh, list, and I don't necessarily know that there's that many options that are better than Ralph. So he's on here by default, but he's on here because he's a heck of a guy. Awesome uh, guest on your show. I like listening to your show when he's on it. And, of course, has always been very nice and kind to me in press box situations. And you know what? What's up, Ralph? you got to be on the list. Well, he's going to like you a lot better than me. Yeah. That's for sure. So my number four, shuffle, 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 Rafe Fines, Lord Voldemort himself. <laughs> he spells it Ralph so he can make the list. Yeah, okay. Well, as long as it's spelled Ralph, you know, the way you pronounce it is up to you. Uh, you you uh, have no argument for me on that one. All right. What is your number three? My number three is uh, Ralph Wiggum, the Simpsons character. Wow, my cat's name is Mittens. <laughs> He's a, I had to, I went back actually and I You choo choo choose me? <laughs> I went back today and watched a compilation of his um, funniest moments from The Simpsons. And the reason why I picked him is because he's the guy from the GIF of rolling down the hill that everybody uses on Twitter all the time when they like get something wrong or they're embarrassed. Wait, what'd, you, what'd you call it? Rolling down the hill. Did you call it a GIF? It's a GIF. GIF. I call it GIF because I like peanut butter. <laughs> I, I, I See, at least you have a rationale for it. I, 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 can, I can live with that. I just think that saying GIF is easier than a GIF is such an awkward thing to say. I don't like the feeling of it. I, I and I never really knew it's 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 is that a confirmation that it's actually GIF? Uh, I think it. Are you, I don't would know you bet what your life is. on it? No, I would. I would bet mayonnaise or anything on okay, it. Okay, okay. So then, until somebody shows me proof that it's actually GIF, I'm going to keep calling it GIF. Um, but that GIF is hilarious. It is. It is absolutely hilarious. It is it, as Simpsons ones go. It's right up there with Homer fading into the hedge. Um, my number three is Ralph Ellison. Uh, if you have not read The Invisible Man, go read it. It's a, it's a fantastic book. Uh, not The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells, which is also a you know, kind of classic sci-fi book, but Invisible Man by, by Ralph Ellison uh, was published in 1952. It will make you mad. It will make you cry, but it will make you understand some stuff. So that's a fantastic book. By all means, go read it. Ralph Ellison, number three for me. Who is your number two? Uh, my number two is Ralph Lauren. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I consider he was one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm not much of a design person or like fashion person. I dress very modestly, but I think there's no designer that I've spent more money on uh, in my wardrobe since what I was you, a kid. Do you, do you go purple label, Ari? Uh, I don't know about purple label, but I love their um, hoodies with the white str- draw- drawstrings. Um, and they also make a very comfortable dress shirt. So, um, does, does and yours flannels need to have too. the pony on it? Do you, do you need the pony on it for it to be good? No, I don't need the pony on it. Um, but I, I think that as male fashion is shifting, I'm, um, finding myself going more and more away from Ralph Lauren and I hope that they can make it back because it's kind of like not the cool thing to do anymore when it used to be cool like seven, it used to be the coolest thing a guy could wear seven, Listen, eight years ago. They, the thing is they stick to the classics They'll always be back. Well, you never my, have to worry about that. Yeah, my girlfriend is really big into fashion, and she does her own thing. And the thing I never knew, um, and I found out because of her, is that everybody buys all their polo stuff at the outlet mall, right? I mean, yeah. 85% of the stuff that I have from and polo. And your purple label stuff. Yeah. It'll, it'll show up on the clearance rack sometimes, too. There's no... Um, reason why I would spend $85 on the classic polo shirt um, 
in a department store when I can get the same shirt for thirty nine ninety nine uh, in the outlets. But the thing I I wanted to say is I said that to my girlfriend, and she like goes, "Are you an idiot?" The stuff in the in the Ralph Lauren stores, like at high end outdoor shopping malls, like the Biltmore and Phoenix, and um, some of the places in Dallas that she goes shopping uh, regrettably, and like the stores, uh, Ralph Lauren store is actually much nicer than the polo outlet. And there oh, actually absolutely. is a bunch. But of, some of that stuff ends up on the clearance rack in the polo outlet. Yeah, if, I guess if you get you lucky, gotta, but you got to dig. When you go to the polo outlet, everybody, every it's always the same stuff. You got a bunch of button downs. You have a bunch of flannel shirts. You have the classic polo long sleeve. You got the V necks and the hoodies and stuff. And you basically know what you're going to get every time you walk into a um, polo outlet. But when you walk into a Ralph Lauren store that's not discounted in like a high end mall, they oh. have legit fashion expensive clothes that are much different than the experience you get at just every outlet mall in America. Yes, they do. You just you just need to spend your whole paycheck on them. Yeah. And yeah. The older I get, the less inclined I am to do that. One day. All right. My my number two, Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson, mm-hmm. leader of the transcendentalist movement, essayist, great American philosopher, number two, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Who is your number one? When I was in high school, um my best friend, who's still my best friend to this day, uh, quoted a uh, quote from he bit, he was the student council president and he had to speak at our graduation at high school. And he came up with like some profound quote that he that Ralph Waldo Emerson said, and he started his speech uh, like that. And it was like, wow, this is going to be a really good speech. And then after he goes, I have no idea who that human being is or what that quote means. And it was like the it was like the funniest thing. So like Did Ralph he say, Wal- send him his high school football rules. <laughs> yeah, no, he said a cactus shadows high school rules. Yeah, you know, whatever he said. And everybody laughed. But it, Your like high school is called cactus shadows. Yeah. That's like the the what the, the good place with the dude from Jacksonville where he went to Leonard Skinner High School. <laughs> yeah. What was like, your high school called? Lake Mary. Because there was a lake near it called Lake Mary. I mean, I feel like Arizona high schools are all different versions of southwestern southwestern sounding things. Yeah. We've got desert shadows. I think we have cactus shadows. We've got horizon, uh, shadow mountain, pinnacle. <laughs> pinnacle. Don't forget pinnacle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're all they're all kind of like the same variation. And mine was cactus shadows. Okay, my number one might not make sense to you, but this is just something from college when I was in school. Um, and you got sick from drinking too much. People always oh. used to say, "I'm going to go Ralph." Ralphed. And I don't know mm-hmm. if <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing that people like know, or if that's just yes. an Arizona is, thing, or it's Ralphing is known. a very common. Okay, that's my number one version of Ralph because it's quite a funny term. My number one Ralph is the way that you say, "I'm going to go vomit." Well, <laughs> I'm going to go Ralph. It's kind of like the third gag on the mayonnaise bit. Yeah, yeah, you almost Ralphed and the mayonnaise bit. Is that, that a weird? Be, that is that a weird? App, weird application? You thought that was an obscure thing? Like well, the whole know. country I just, like, says I don't, that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't hear it that often. This uh, is like the people in the Midwest who call a water fountain a bubbler. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that in my life. I um, took that New York uh, Times dialect quiz the other day. That's the only reason I knew that. The, the thing, the thing that uh, I think is the issue here, Andy, is that I'm not necessarily in situations where I'm going to puke from drinking as much as I used to be. So I think that's the Thank reason why that. uh, that's the reason why I don't hear it as much because Ralph I always associate with drinking and partying. I, I wouldn't say <laughs> uh, I'm sick from this 
days old chicken that I accidentally ate. I'm going to go Ralph. Ralphing is like a, a alcohol induced vomit. I think it's a special type. See, of no, vomit. you you got to you got to do it like Billy Bob in uh, in Varsity Blues. Puke and rally. <laughs> yeah, my best friend always says, "I'll rally when I rally." <laughs> That's right. All right, my number one, Ralph Bunch. 1950 Nobel Peace Prize winner, help <laughs> broker peace uh, in Israel in the late 40s. He won the Nobel Prize. He's Ralph. I'm going to give him number one. Sorry, Ralph Sampson. Sorry, Ralph Kiner. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I feel like my mom would be very disappointed that I didn't use this person, and I had never heard of him. So congratulations on showing me up. I do think that it's also... Uh, disgusting that Russo didn't make your list. And Russo, I'm on your side here. If you talk talk a little game to him about how hurtful it was, I, I just want you to know that I got your back. So Ralph Russo, the inspiration. You're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. The inspiration for this random ranking. He will be texting me throughout this entire thing as he's listening to it. So I may have to keep some screenshots. It's it's he, you will be his favorite from now on. I can promise you that. Yeah, I, I yeah, Ralph, just uh, send me a message, a little DM on Twitter to say you're thankful. And I, I, I actually, the one person that I knocked off my list so Russo could make it was Ralphie May, and God rest his soul, wow. he was a funny comedian. But I don't he think was, he's, but he he wasn't quite I, as funny um, as my favorite stand up comedian, so he didn't make my list. Not even no Ralph Sampson. Yeah, you know who Ralph Sampson is, right? Yeah, I, who's Ralph Sampson? I don't even understand like what the whole um, reason why I would pick somebody if he doesn't uh, belong on my list. I feel like who's I'm, Ralph Sampson? You're googling Ralph <laughs> Sampson. You don't know who Ralph Sampson yeah, is. No, he's a, I actually do know who he is. Um, I know that he's a who basket- is he? He's a basketball player. Okay. But what, I don't what know what college did he play for. I don't know what college he played for, but I think that he Virginia. Was- Come on, Ari. They lost the Chaminade when he played there. That made him famous, the Puma Shoe? The thing that made him famous was he was really tall and blocked every shot and was almost impossible to stop in the lane. You're still Googling him. I love it. I actually the just best. Go- I just actually Googled him. I knew he was a basketball player, but I didn't realize he was seven foot four and went to Virginia. Yeah. Those, those are things I did not know huge. about him. Huge. Seven foot four oh, is Ari. crazy. Ari, why, why would pleasure. he make my list, though, Andy? That's what I was trying to say. He was really good at basketball. He didn't make your list. Your friend didn't even he make your list. He was better at basketball than Ralph William was at, at, <laughs> at being Lisa's Valentine. <laughs> you can see the moment where his heart breaks right mm, there. Yeah, I've, I've lived that moment. <laughs> Ari, it's been a pleasure. Enjoy the games. I will talk to everybody on Sunday morning. Hopefully, Ari will be drinking some beer next week. I'll I have to chug it, right? One way or the other. Oh, yes, you do. You have to shotgun it. I will send you a video of how I'd like it to happen, although the type of beer you're talking about doesn't usually come in cans. Uh, we're not. Yeah, I don't know. Do I have to like get There's a, a young lady who's a fan of Maryland, and if you just Google Maryland fan beer, she takes the can, 
opens it by smashing it on her forehead. It pops the entire top off of the can, and then she chugs it. It's a tremendous thing, but I don't think you can do it with dark beer. I don't think the kind of beer you're talking about is usually available in cans. Although, like, Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale, that's available in cans. That's this a darker is a very- beer, bourbon barrel aged, high high gravity, as they say. This is a very uh, funny thing for Ralph, my number one Ralph, because I think there's a chance that I actually will Ralph. Well, let's make sure we have. If I had to shotgun a beer because... by putting a key in the bottom of it, opening the top, and hitting a Guinness can like that, I would I would vomit. Again, so would everybody else. Sorry, I, I don't know a lot of people uh, who can is, handle that. Well, I mean, you're just saying you will chug it with me. Isn't Fat Tire and Guinness all kind of the same thing? Eh, fat Tire is not as heavy as Guinness. I'm pretty confident I can handle fat tire. Chuck Guinness might be a little bit difficult. I don't know, though. Guinness is not that carbonated, so it it might go down a little smoother. I guess we'll have to find out. All right. Go Gophers, I guess. Let's go Wolverines, baby. (laughs) I'm just hope that I lose just so you can get the monkey off your back and you're not 0-2, you know? And you need to get off the board. As long as I don't have to do push-ups with the monkey on my back, I'm okay. I agree (laughs) with that, bud. We'll talk to you later.